Welcome to a very special episode of the That Kind of Nerd podcast, an interview with my dad, Michael Mellon. We get his perspective on what it was like growing up as a nerd and what the nerd culture is turning into today. We also talk about life and philosophy and engineering and some good stories along the way. So thank you very much for listening and happy Father's Day. So um, I'm, I'm going to start right away. Okay. I don't, we don't need to do any crazy introduction, but um, I'm sitting here with uh, my dad. Um, we thought for Father's Day, Brian did an interview with, with his dad and inspired me to, to do an interview with, with mine. Um, so I didn't, I didn't give my dad any prep or notice on like the, the huge questions that we're asking. Yeah, could we just make sure our cell phones are both off? <laughs> um, so I, we were talking about uh, nerd culture on our website. And I defined a nerd as anyone who has a passion about something and wants to share that knowledge with the world. Uh, saying that is a working definition and it's changing. And I know that being a nerd has kind of changed over time. Yes, it has. Yes. Um, so I was curious about where I got my nerdy lifestyle from from you. Mm-hmm. I've always identified yeah. myself as a nerd. Yeah. It's something that I just from birth have done. I, I, I've been the theater nerd. I've been the computer nerd. I've been the Pokemon nerd. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> I've been through it all. Uh, and I know that I kind of got it easy in the sense that I didn't have to do a lot of the heavy lifting and, and get into this technology in like the middle of my life. I was right. born with it. Mm-hmm. And I know that you had the opposite effect. Right. So I want to kind of go back to when you were a kid. And I'm curious as to did you always identify as a nerd? Is that something that you always thought of yourself I, as? I never thought of myself as a nerd. No, but I was different than some of my friends in that I always had the desire to explore. One of the things that I always love to do is figure out why does something work? As I can remember as a child, my mom telling me she was upset one day. She came upstairs and a clock, a new clock that they had bought that was in their bedroom, electric one, was all in parts on their bed. <laughs> and she said, what the heck are you doing? I said, I'm fixing the clock. She said, there's nothing wrong with the clock. I said, no, it hums. It's too loud. And she, I, she came back up and she said, oh, well, can you put it back together? And I said, yes. And when she came back up to the bedroom, it was all together. My mom sat on the bed and she said, I don't know if this is working or not. <laughs> and I said, look at it. And the sweet pan was gone around. We sat there for two, three minutes. The hands moved. And she said, I've never heard this clock to be so quiet. <laughs> and I think at that time it was maybe my parents had bought it two weeks before that. So it was brand new. But I said, it shouldn't sound this way. <laughs> so I did that. Yeah. And then I guess you would say from a nerd perspective, even toys at Christmas, one of the things that was big around my time was a rector set. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked for one and I got one. And I would sit there and just make all kinds of things. How, how old were you when you were playing with stuff Probably like that? Probably five or so because it was oh, really? before school, before first grade. Right, okay. Because I used to sit and play with it while my brother went to school and we lived across the street from the school. Right. So I could go in my parents' room at a big table and I would sit there and I would just work with this thing for hours and build different things. And then I would add to it, added cars to it. And then I just experimented with it. We had plastic cars, and I found little motors, and I would figure out how to put the motor into the wheel and then put a battery, tape it to the top of the car, wire it together, and then put a little switch, and then this car would just ride around. It was, I made an electric car out of a 
card <laughs> you're supposed to push around on. So you were Tim Taylor before Tim Taylor existed. Yeah, exactly. Right. You, were, yeah. you were taking something that wasn't yeah. supposed to do exactly. that. Exactly. Um, so the thing that I've I've gotten in discussions with other people when we were forming our site and when we were um, when I listened to, to Brian's dad, the word nerd now means something entirely different than it it did back then. So I mean, was was nerd a negative connotation? Yes, was it, okay. a nerve was a negative connotation. You didn't fit in with everybody. You were, I wouldn't say geeky because geek didn't come up till many, many years later. It's a dork? A nerd was, was a guy, it? dorky kind of guy. Right. You're tall, you're thin, you have shorter hair, people might be wearing their hair longer. But you also were a nerd if you were extremely intelligent. If you got A's in school and you, you worked at it or you knew answers to things. You put effort in, essentially. You put effort right, in. Yeah. Right. You're a nerd. <laughs> Because you, I mean, I didn't go out every day after school and go shoot baskets or go play ba- right. basketball or play football. I'd shoot hoops with my friends. We'd play football across the street. But it wasn't as if it was a team effort. I'd be home looking at something or working on something. So when I the- would be with somebody. I might be with my neighbor as he's working on his car right. to find out, hey, how do you do that? How does this work? Ask questions. And, and doing it that way. Yeah. So, um, and, and I want to kind of explore that part because when you go into, uh, you know, elementary school and you get into middle school and that's when, because when you're little, little, you're just kind of trying to do whatever you see. And I know that, uh, my grandfather, your, your dad was a, was a plumber. Yeah. So I'd imagine taking things apart putting them back together, yes. fixing, yeah. getting the calls of, Hey, this doesn't work and right. try to figure out how it worked. Did you go with him on like jobs? And yes. Then- I would go with him on jobs. I was very mechanically inclined. I could right. use my right hand. I could use my left hand. I would ask about tools so I'd know what an open crescent wrench was. Right. I'd know what an open-end wrench was. I would know what a ball-peen hammer was. But I would go with him on his jobs, and I would learn different things. Because he had plumbing, he did industrial heating and air conditioning. So I would always ask him to go. He'd go to the lumber yard right. to go work on something. I wanted to go with him to the lumber yard. I wanted to learn about lumber. I would <laughs> know what a number one grade was, what a number two grade was. Right. Learn about what pine was, what was oak, what was birch. What would you use them for? I would learn about different sized nails, whether you had a finishing nail, whether you had a regular nail. Right, right. All this. It just intrigued me to to absorb those things to say, oh, I could make things myself. So how many other people around you in your life had that kind of drive or, or passion? Maybe one or two of my friends, and that's about it. And I grew up in a neighborhood with in a row home, which they now talk, call townhouses. Right. So just in my neighborhood, there were 50 houses in that block. Right. And in that, most people had two to three children. So we're talking in the back driveway. Not that every house had it, but in my back driveway, there was probably 20, 30 kids in my neighborhood that were anywhere from two to three years younger to two to three years older. So there was always people to play with, right. to do things. And only a few selected people were what kind of nerdy things. And then we had neighbors, because the houses were so close together, neighbors had different skills. We had a gentleman up the street, and he was a carpenter. And in his garage, he had a saw, his table saw, things like that. So we'd go up, and he'd teach us about angles on boards, and we'd cut them up, and he'd give us the scrap, 
And then we build little things that we build birdhouse. It, it's we like, build ramps. That was the thing. We build a ramp <laughs> and ride our bike up over the ramp. Over the ramp. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of the internet now that if I want to learn how to do something, I find somebody who's an expert. And it only takes me a few minutes just to throw a rock and like hit right. six videos yeah. on how to do XYZ. Right. It was kind of yeah. like that in your neighborhood. Yeah. Right. yeah. So you, you get to school now. Yeah. Uh, you're in elementary school, right. and that's when people you get exposed to different uh, hobbies and different groups of people. And like you said, you weren't big on going out and shooting, you know, shooting hoops and, and playing sports, but you did that. Yes, in my school. I mean, I lived across the street from the school. We had a big play yard, right? And then right next to the school was a baseball field and basketball hoops. So we'd go home, get changed. Somebody would cross us across the street, right? And we'd go over with a group of guys and we'd play baseball. Or we would play basketball. I had neighbors who were college students who played football in college. They'd get us together and they'd play against us. We'd, it'd be like six of us to try to catch one of these <laughs> college kids. It wouldn't work. Right. But he could, they could throw the ball 50 yards down and we'd always have them as the quarterback. And they would teach us more about the sports. But you know, our group there was everybody getting together. Right. And the biggest thing that we had as kids was we rode, rode our bikes all over the place. So after you get done doing, you know, sporting, after you get down building ramps and, right. and launching things off and, you know, the day's winding down, did you ever have the inclination, hey, come, I mean, was it, hey, also come play with my engineering, my, my no. director kid? No. Was no. that like something People that you thought hit? that was cool, right. but, but it that's it. That they loved it, but it was way beyond them. Right. They wouldn't sit for the time that it would take <laughs> to put something like that together. But they wanted to play with it. Right. They wanted the finished product. but They not wanted the-, the finished product, but they didn't want to sit there for mm-hmm. the half an hour, 45 minutes, building something. All right. So did, did this, is that maybe when you noticed, they're like, oh, well, well I'll share, share the passions with popular culture. Right. I'm in, I'm in a niche. I'm yes. not in something that's... Yeah. Okay. I, I was in a niche and it always intrigued me. That's the reason I was always intrigued by how things worked. I was intrigued by electronics. I mean, I would figure things out. I mean, I'd get speakers. We had this small television set, and I would add speakers to it. I mean, my father would come home from work, turn the TV on, and all of a sudden, sound's coming out different places in the room because I ran wires from the one speaker around to another. Or I would do tricky things. I would run a wire from the living room through through the vent, through the heating vent, up to my room, and then I'd attach it to a little amplifier with a microphone. And then I would just start saying things using the speaker <laughs> no in the television way. set. Yeah. And, tr- and throw your voice. And throw my voice. Because oh, my father would watch TV, fall asleep. And then I, sometimes I would say, hey, Bill, wake up. <laughs> and he'd wake up and I'd be up the top of the step and there was a little mirror I could see. But he was thinking the TV said something. Right. He had no idea that it was me on the speaker. Doing those so how did your parents react to their they, son? They just doing thought it that? was funny. It was they it were was, light about they it. They were they were my father thought it was funny, but my father said, Wow, like you have these processes in your head. Right. You have to use these. He's the one who encouraged me. Well, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I like this. Right. So I investigated it and found out electrical engineering might be something to do. Because at that time, one of the biggest things were kits. Right. You could go to the store and buy a kit to build a radio. Right. So I would build radios. I'd build crystal radios. I would build small amplifiers. I'd go to Radio Shack or some of the other electronic stores and buy these kits. 
and then put them together. Was this stuff coming in now through school where there's starting to be sh- like shop class or anything that would deal with No, there wasn't radio? any shop classes or anything at time at school. What about even in high school? Was there anything high that school? was like that too? No, by high school, I already had built my own little niche. <laughs> I moved out. And oh, okay. figured things out. So I, I would read things and figure, wow. I, for instance, and I experimented with it. Right. I built this thing called a code process oscillator. And all it was was Morris code. Uh-huh. So then I attached a volume control called a potentiometer to that, and all of a sudden the frequencies changed. So then I attached a set of headphones and said, well, this could be a Morse code thing, but I also could use it for a hearing test. (laughs) So I could pick out frequencies. So then I realized if I got a bigger one, I could turn it. The graduation was more gradual for the design. So then I started to say, okay, now I can go from real low to real high, I can give people hearing tests. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know what the frequency was. Right. So then I said to my dad, how in the heck will I figure out what frequency this is? He said, well, let's go down to the Franklin Institute because they had scopes and this was something that went on for science, all the experiments of science. Right. So I went down there, spoke to the gentleman. He said, well, bring it with you. And I said, I did. And he attached it to a scope and then told me what the frequencies were. <laughs> so then I just made little marks on the board I had for where it sat. For instance, you'd have one to nine. Well, I made graduations in between there, and then I would write the frequency. So, so for the fun of it, I'd have people come in and say, hey, let's give you a hearing test. <laughs> <laughs> so my friends would sit there. I had headphones. Right. Or little, at that time, they used these little earplugs, almost what we use today right. on an iPod or whatever. We'd use those. And then I would sit my friends with a book, and I'd write down, Oh, Jimmy can hear it to 50 megahertz, and Tommy can hear it at 18,000. And I wrote it all down, and they thought that was cool. But I had no idea what I was building. Right. I just knew this thing was supposed this, to do this one thing. This can do thing. this, right. This can do this, too. So, so it was designed that. for purpose A, but I can do purpose B Correct. with it. So did you find people, was it high school where you started finding like-minded people that, yes. that had that kind of, and like how many, how many people... We're in your, your high, high school, school at that time. became very like, interesting because in high school there were clubs. There was a science right. club. So you had people that were really love physics and you had those that were interested in chemistry and you had those that understood electricity or electronics. It reminds me of when I, you know, when you look at tech history and you, you hear people who, like Apple is, is the, the prime example where they would have hobbyist clubs that were building computers at the time, mm-hmm. but they were started out from people who were doing what you were doing. They were experimenting AM, FMs, or there was the, the hacker Captain Crunch who used the whistle from the Captain Crunch serial and found a way that that would be the same frequency that allowed him to make unlimited long-distance calls on phones. So it's people taking those things that were designed to do A Correct. and got them to do B, and they were linking together in just weird coincidences and weird connections yes. to share these kinds of the hobbies. So Correct. out of your high school, how many people are interested in that that scope of Probably things? 1% okay. of the so people had an interest. Yeah. So you're in the minority of that. I was one. in the minority. So yeah. you, you said that when it came time for college, uh, that your dad had asked you, what did you want to do, and, and you weren't you weren't sure. How did you navigate that part of your life? My mom and dad helped me out in that because my dad was involved in various industries, he said, well, maybe you could go talk to somebody. So I just began to talk to people in different trades. And I talked to people that were into shortwave and ham radio, talked to them. 
well, you know, how did you get involved in this? Oh, my dad did that. Blah, right. blah, blah. Or we build it. Then I started to go out and then I started looking at places. Well, then there was these electronics stores, Radio Shack, Resco Electronics, people who actually provided the parts for a lot of these things that were there. So I began to talk to them. And then through that, going to the library, talking to architects, talking to en- different engineers, right. began there's this technology of electrical engineering, which was, oh, circuitry is now making a change in things. It's changing even electricity, how it's used today in, in the world, where before, I mean, you had your power plant, which basically was just coal right. or oil or gas, generating the steam, turning the turbine. turbines. Now, all of a sudden, they realized they needed to be able to switch things. So manually, people were switching things. And then it began the thought process. Well, wait a minute. You know, There's ways now that copper's here and we found a way of doing this. There's ways of reducing things. That intrigued me. I said, well, what would I need to do to do that? Right. And they said, well, you would have to become an electrical engineer. You'd have to understand circuitry. So, so I what, started to go to college for that because I realized that this technology was on the leading edge. It was going to do things that were impossible to do today, or they would be going to begin to do things that people dreamt about. So this this wasn't the like, oh, listen, this is a really small field and no one's going to want to do this. This is like, hey, no. this field's going to blow up. Right, right. This is going to become important. Yes, right. So you had the support of your parents to go ahead and, and pursue that. Kind exactly. Because I remember when I was talking to, to you, mom and dad, about you know, what I wanted to do with my life and, mm-hmm. and how what I wanted to pursue. And initially, I, I, I love theater and that was my my goal. But I was like, I'll go into school as, as an English major trying to get into to education and go be a teacher. And then I remember being the year about middle of that freshman year, I'm just like, I, I really want to do theater. Right. And I remember you going, yeah, okay. Is that what, is that what makes you happy? Is that what you want to do? Right. Like, go ahead, go do it. Correct. And, and mom being in the same way, a little nudging of, are you sure? Like, are you absolutely sure that's what you, okay. If that, all right, that's what you want to do. So it's nice to see that you wanted to go pursue your dream of what, inspired you and what incited you and you got that from your mom and dad correct and you were kind enough to pass it on exactly on to me so when when you get to school you've told me several hijinks that yeah. you've that you've pulled uh i don't want to have to go on on all of them because we'd be here for hours yes uh, if we do that what is your favorite story from we were doing this and we probably shouldn't have or that was like my best memory of being creative and doing something kind of nerdy? Well, we, well, a lot of the friends that I had in engineering school, they came from Wisconsin and other states. They were from farming industries and they were trying to get out of that kind of environment they and get into something new. They didn't right. want to be farmers. They wanted to get into something new. They were very intelligent in school. They were the top students in their classes. So they came in to take mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, automotive engineering. All those engineering factors. I think the neatest thing was had two friends had wonderful automobiles. One had an a old Ford. It was a 454 engine. The thing purred like crazy. You floored it. The front end just came up off the ground. <laughs> they loved these cars right. because their whole entire high school was they spent their money that they earned to put into these cars because they were the big guy in they were, like the, they were the gearheads. They so. were the gearheads. Right, okay. So they came in. Well, the biggest thing was, oh, shoot, how can we prevent this car from being stolen? <laughs> so we were thinking something up. So we walked around, 
And we're thinking, well, we're going to come up with something. Right. So we figured, all right, now we put a car alarm on. Well, it's across the parking lot. We may not hear this at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. So what could we do? So naturally, well, maybe we can build something like a radio device because it could transmit. So we built a little radio with a microphone to tr- transmit out just like an AM radio would be. Found a frequency somewhere in the middle that didn't have a radio station. Gotcha. And we hooked it up so that if the alarm went off, you had a little radio in your room, you picked up the frequency. So almost like an FM transmitter Like an FM transmitter Okay, okay. Then we were wandering downtown. We went into an Army-Navy surplus store. And we found this device. We asked the guy, what is this? He said, oh, that's a transmitter way up there in the 282, blah, 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 you know, megahertz. Right. So, And that'll go for miles. Perfect. We said, this is perfect. We'll take it. So we did. So we hooked it up to the car (laughs) and we checked it out. It worked. We had a receiver. And the neat thing was we had a radio that had an antenna that you could turn. And the reason for that was just as you are in shortwave or other places, you want to turn it in the direction that the signal comes from. Because as your frequencies changes, the band gets narrower. So it's not as wide when it gets your radio. So you really have to point the antenna in the direction that signal's coming from. Right. Which is good because when you point it, that means other frequencies on the outside that might bleed go away. You push them out. It worked perfectly. One night, the alarm went off. The frequency shows up. The car is gone. We're walking down the street. We're looking. We're doing directional thing. We're figuring the direction. We're watching a meter for the signal. We turn around the corner. And all of a sudden, there's the car. But there's police there, <laughs> and we notice other people in other uniforms. We say, what the heck's going on here? So we start to walk towards the car, and the guy said to us, what are you doing? We said, well, <laughs> this is our friend's car. We're coming to get it. And the guy said, no, you're not. What do you know about this? Well, here it ends up with the guy sold us was a device that goes in an airplane <laughs> in case of a distress. <laughs> so here we are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, okay, and- the FAA believed that an air small aircraft had gone down in a residential area. <laughs> so the FAA's there, the FBI's there, the police department. So we were questioned and questioned, what the heck are you guys doing with this thing? Right. And about halfway through the question, the one guy said, okay, we need ID. So we have... We all pull out our college ID, and the guy said, oh, my gosh, look at this. These are all engineers from Milwaukee <laughs> School of Engineering. So now it makes sense. Right. And we told the guy where we got it from. He said, guys, this is illegal. This is supposed to be used in a small aircraft as a distress signal if it's going down. <laughs> so we- You couldn't get away with that nowadays. No. You'd be in prison. We would be in prison. You'd be in prison But they said, that. okay, hey, cool idea. So they said, well, you can't utilize this. Right. But it opened our minds up and that, okay, we needed something and we were going to figure out among all of us, how we're going to make this happen. So, <laughs> so, but it was fun because we would get uh, remote control helicopters. We'd make the ability to have a little clamp open and close, which means we could fly them out the dormitory window on the 11th floor right. and drop little bombs or things across the street in the park. But it was more experimenting with things. And realizing what you can do, changing the motor in, in a toy, you go out and buy this little helicopter, and then we realized we could enhance the motor somehow. And by enhancing the motor, it would fly faster, but our goal wasn't to have it fly faster. It was to have the ability to lift up more. 
Right. So then it could carry something. Mm-hmm. So it was utilizing all our- You're basically making drones before drones were drones. Yeah, actually, you look at it now, we never would have thought about that, but that's exactly it. So you're yeah. you're just doing these things for the sake of doing them and, just not, for the and sake not always of doing, thinking of the practical- not, No. So no. nowadays, it's like, that's how yeah. startups are made. People are just yeah. like, well, oh, we can make a little remote control helicopter that can now carry things. And now we have Amazon- that's that's doing that. They're using their drones to deliver things, and the thing you described with the car, it's that's that's low jack. Yes, it is <laughs> without yes. without going through you know craziness for right. it and yeah. getting the FAA involved. Right. Yeah. Um, did you ever think that hey, we should take some of these ideas and make a business or no, start them up that way? We never did. We just thought it was fun stuff, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, being uh, kind of a nerd, this is what you did because we had more fun doing it. Right. Uh, it was fun for us. It was. Going outside the box, it was doing, and we knew that we discussed this in class with our teachers too, which would say, "Oh, great idea," and then somebody else would say, "Well, did you ever think of?" And that was just beginning to expand what the horizon could be to do different things. So, flash, and there's there's chapters in in between. Is there something that I, I don't know about, like a goal or something that you wanted to do once you could do these little things of technology? What was the end goal? No, no, my end goal these? was to get a job where I would love doing what I was doing every day. And that was the key. And I liked to do, I didn't want to do something that everybody else was doing. I wanted to do something new. Right. I guess as you call today to be on the leading edge, which mm-hmm. sometimes you call the bleeding edge because you're out there and there aren't many other people doing it. And when a problem resolves, you have to figure it out yourself because there's not other people to go to. So when it came to raising your kids yeah, and it came to us, uh, I know one of my earliest memories when it comes to like nerdy things, when I started identifying myself as, okay, I'm the only person doing this, was we had a computer in the basement that ran, was it DOS or BASIC? It ran DOS. It was yeah. DOS. Well, I actually and I, started out with BASIC and then went to DOS. Because yeah. I remember yeah. having to write out, so you, I would sit down, you'd be like, all right, there's a game on the computer. Do you want to go play the game? I'm like, yes, I want to go, go play the game. Okay, where is it? Well, it's on the hard drive. Okay, where's the hard C. Okay, yeah. all right, so C colon. Right. All right, now where is it? What's the directory? Yeah. Oh, it's in this, it's in program files. Okay, all right, let's go to program files. What what's the name of the game? Uh, oh, it's this. Okay, so that's your directory. And you would make me sit there and write out the whole syntax of exactly. the command. Correct. And then say, okay, press enter. And I press enter, like, nope, you didn't pick the right execution file. Let's start all over again. <laughs> and trying to figure out those little puzzles and pieces. Was that something that you like consciously made us try to figure out puzzles, or do you think that's just again a, a piece of the no, DNA? No, it was consciously to make you do it so that it wasn't. Well, write it out for me, and I type it in. Right. I wanted you to understand that. See, I'm at the hard drive right. now. The next one is what's the next level down? Okay. Well, now you need in that directory, you know, to go to that directory and then subdirectory program, so that you understood the structure of how something was put together. So you and I also shared the background and the – retail's in, our, in, in my blood, and I got it from you. Yeah. That it, it, and it's just natural from our charisma, the fact that you and I have no problem going up to total strangers right. and talking to them, which I always thought was kind of counterintuitive to what most people associate with nerds. Yes. Is that they, they're that very is antisocial. Correct. Yes. And I even get the impression as a kid you, were, you had no problems with No, I never situations. had any problems. No. No, not at all. So when retail c- comes around and you're selling computers, right. computers are coming out to the consumer market for the first time ever. Yeah. Was your response 
was was it what did you think of when you saw computers coming to the mass market well that was so long after when i my introduction to computers because i was right. one of the one of the few people in the computer industry that actually had what they called a personal computer and everybody said this will never do anything right and in order for it to happen i was with a group talking with ibm and they said all right we came out this personal computer it runs this disk operating system called DOS, and it was basic language. Radio Shack came out with a TRS-80, which we called the Trash-80, <laughs> and, and, and that was to write little programs. And that was people actually starting gaming because gaming was the Donkey Kongs. It right. was the, the – uh, well, you had played the one where there was a donkey on the road with the cars coming two like lanes. Like Frogger. Yeah, something like that. Those That's – where they were writing like people that were thinking about it were thinking about how do you write language to start graphics because there no everything was just two dimensional right. there was no third dimension there was no true graphics everything was green green and white right. that's it so now color was being introduced which now meant oh now I can make something red or I can make it green or I can make it yellow based on red's a problem yellow's caution Greens, hey, everything's so, good. So we talked about you have seen the world and this is it's something that's designed to do A. Right. And you're like, I can make it do B. B. Yes. So when that when that comes on the market and people are like, why would I even bother buying a computer? Yeah. I don't I don't do that. Like Correct. what what was your response? What my was going think, in your my, brain? in my head was somebody's gonna write the software that's going to help people see that these devices will be useful for them. So you saw it as a way to increase business productivity and you found it as a way to go ahead and, and kind of shape that part yes. into it? Yes, So is that what led to a career path for you? Is that yes. you had the brain it did. to- It led to the career path because I saw that this device took away, could people could start doing the simple things that a computer programmer was asked to do. Right. Where they're spending hours on very complex programs doing complex analysis, bringing in months and years worth of data and digesting it and writing algorithms to try to figure out how to take this information and make it useful to help a business understand where they're going and what they can do. Well, you'd have accounting or an area who said, oh, I'd like to just track the number of units that I sold in this store yesterday. Well, I had to go write a program to do that. Right. And then when they said, oh, wow, can I get that every day? Yeah, but now I got to figure out where do we find the time to run this? And your cost justification was, oh, by the way, that might cost you $5,000 in computer time. And how much are you saving by doing, doing that? And they say, well, my, maybe that increases my inventory $1,000. So it wasn't cost justifiable. So if you could get the data to a personal computer and have some simpler programming, which basic at that time was why it was called basic. Right. It was a pretty simple language that you could write something to execute. It was just input, outputs, and and your design. And then it ran to DOS, the disk operating system. Right. And then there were people out there saying, oh, we could start writing some user-friendly type languages that people could do. So what's, what's interesting is in hearing all this, because I haven't heard some of this before too, so this is really cool. 
going from making the little AM, the little cars with batteries on them that weren't supposed to do that, to making radios, to getting your car tracked with a downed airplane carrier transmitter, mm-hmm. now taking it to the professional industry, saying, "Let's change the retail environment. Let's make this easier and con- and, and easier to to do." It sounds like the world went from, "Oh, hey, they're just a bunch of crazy engineers," to, "All right, we're looking for these people." who have these skills for something that we've never had before. It was the whole birth of a new medium. Correct. So what was the culture like? How was how were people outside of that adapting? When you told people what you did for a living, did they get puzzled faces or did they think that that was like the coolest thing they'd they ever They thought heard? that was the coolest thing ever. So because how- they were so far behind that they couldn't even comprehend what it was. But they were seeing changes happening. Right. They were seeing the ability for information to happen. And the thing you mentioned earlier, people say, when are we going to be able to have a computer? When do you think a computer will come into your home? And the thing was, bringing a computer in your home was just sound like fun, but it was expensive. Right, yeah. And you had to have a purpose for it. So it was small businesses began to bring computers in to do accounting. People would come in. A spreadsheet? Wow. Save I don't have to manually work. write that down. I can put the numbers in. I can save it. And don't forget, a lot of times it wasn't even a hard drive. It was actually floppy drives, you know, big floppy disks or small floppy disks. And then that, just like today, things began to get smaller and be able to handle more data and you could store more things. So we go back to that point where when you started doing this when you were, you know, 10 and 11, the nerd was the bookworm who was ostracized and and was it had that negative connotation. Mm-hmm. We flash forward to that point in your life how did the world ver- you know view the the nerd at that point well now or these was people was it still the same well, the people no no then people viewed them totally different that these people that they called nerds people began to call people nerds because they were very intelligent and they could do things other people couldn't do right. and they didn't know what to call them <laughs> because they felt maybe less intelligent per se and they couldn't comprehend it so they tried to ostracize you by calling you this name. But in most cases, you said, thank you, because I'm one of the select few out here in the world that's out on the leading edge. And is and the thing about it is how your brain's wired. Right. Your brain's wired is that paradigm shift. You look outside the box. I mean, the things, the answers are always out there in front of us. We just don't see them or we don't hear them. Like I went through this process, the Cosby quality process, and a guy came in and said, you have to learn to look outside the box. And an example was, this gentleman was a race car driver, driving his car on a windy road in California, 70, 80 miles an hour, okay, winding through the roads. Nobody can go that speed, but this guy's an expert and knows exactly how to take the curves and what to do. Came around a curve. There was a woman in a convertible on the other side of the road, and she had power. Ass, ass. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, same you. And the guy went around the corner and ran through a whole pack of donkeys, totaled his car. And the thing to that is the woman wasn't, he's thinking that she's calling him an ass. Right. But guess what? She's hollering ass because she's trying to tell him that there's these donkeys around the other side of the road. That's that paradigm shift. That is Listen to what's going on outside of you, outside the little, think differently than you do every day. Think about how other people may view something or see it, and then you'll learn something new. You, you push that envelope out. You look at it differently. So how are you trying to share that message with 
not only your professional career, but how are you trying to share it with your family and and just with people that you meet in the day-to-day life at that point? Were you trying to wake people up to technology? I was trying to wake people up to technology, that they can make the technology. They need to speak up and say, what can technology do for me? Right. That, what can technology, now that you've seen these things that could be done, how do you think it can help you? How do you think it can help you in your job? How do you think it can help you in the business you have or in something that you want to create? So I tried to tell people, hey, this is a new technology. This is something new. You need to grasp it. A lot of people I worked on in the mainframe said, it won't go anywhere. I have no desire to do this. I have no desire and I don't want to do it. And they're the ones that were left behind. It's, it's funny because when we started the show, I said that my working definition of a nerd is someone who has a passion about something and wants to share it with the world. And uh, we've had debates amongst other people, too, about if that definition is actually like kind of holding true. And there you are yeah. doing that exact definition. Right. Yeah. So I want to I want to flash forward a little bit uh, towards towards now and what's 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 happening contemporarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I jumped onto the internet really quick, and we I think we both saw it as a really cool way not to only just get more information that we've ever had access to. Right. Just trying to find an issue, we could find the solution using it that way. But we also said, oh, this is a cool place to be creative. We can go ahead and we can go build a, a website. For for me, when I was in high school, it was for, I put poetry, and I, I wrote with my friends, and we talked about music on it, and I let them Correct. have a a hub to do it. You were using it for businesses. You were going to businesses saying you need you need a website. Right. You need some place to 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 be online. This is where the world is going. So flash forward to now. We talked about how the world has viewed nerds. Mm-hmm. How do you think the culture is finally taking all the groundwork? Because I always there's a joke that a comedian said that um, he loved Star Trek so much, and he would always wear a Star Trek shirt. And right. when he was a kid, he got pushed in the lockers, you know, beaten up because he wore this shirt. And then he sees this kid now, nowadays, walking down with the shirt on his cell phone. And he goes, hey, I like, I like your shirt. Way to go, Star Wars fan. And he goes, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. He's just wearing yeah. it ironically. Right. Right. And he's like, how dare you? I laid the groundwork for you. Yeah. I went in lockers for you. I, I stood by it. How do you view the nerd culture now, knowing that you laid all the ground, you know, some right. of the groundwork for it? Yeah. How do you think that we're? How do you think we're doing? Anything this generation is doing? I think there's more nerds out there. (laughs) I think there's millions of them where there used to be hundreds of them, because people are doing their own thing, utilizing the technology their way. Right, and that's how where technology is going today. It's put it in the hand of the individual to allow. There's so many things out there that people can get. Get an app, buy an app, write an app, learn how to do something. Right. I think the word nerd is going away. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because it's technology today is what people are. And the guy, the people that were nerds were the ones who were looking to do things differently. I think the nerd was a word used for somebody who really was strong in being themselves and their own individual. Okay. Right. Right on. I switched schools in high school, not to go back. I switched schools no, in high school, came from a Catholic high school, finished my last two years of high school in public school. Okay. And the reason for it was... Because my father, I one summer we came home, had a 99 in math, had a 100 in science, and they didn't put me in my science class because it was a mistake. So they put me in some type of writing class. My father said, okay. And the principal said, well, we couldn't get everybody in all the classes, but 
We'll get that straightened out. Mike can do that for like three weeks and then he can get into class and he can catch up. My father said, wait a minute, you have so many students that have 99s and 100s in those things? Right. Just create another class. Well, we don't have that many. Okay, so take the people who don't have the greatest score then, who maybe are in that class that don't have as high a score this, move them out and put him in there. You know, he has right. a desire to go to college, do engineering and do these things. He's not going to get in there with some class writing. on writing. He right. needs his chemistry. He needs his physics. So my, I left there and they wouldn't change it right away. So my father said, fine, pull him out of school. I'll send him somewhere else. My father said, you can go anywhere you want to go. I was devastated. Right. Next Catholic high school was Bishop, I think Bishop Hendrick or whatever, like 40 miles away. And father said, fine, you know, if we have to get on a bus, you can get on a bus. I ended up going over to the local, I stopped at, my mom said, come on, we'll go over to local uh, public school, right. Upper Derby High School. We'll go over there. Check it out. It's good school. I did. Came in. Had my grades, they looked, they scratched their head and said, definitely we would take you. Right. I had, they sent me, I said, fine, you'll have chemistry and physics in your <laughs> junior year. We'll give you creative writing. They totally customized my whole entire classes. Where my strengths were, they put me into the top classes to, to push me to do better. And then those that I didn't do as well in, they put me in a class so that I wouldn't be struggling as much in there, so that I'd enjoy school more. Right. And it changed things because it made me understand was there. But the funny thing was, from the first day of school, I went in with a shirt and tie. <laughs> right Nobody okay. wore a shirt and tie. Right. They said, you, they, the kids picked on me. Right. You, you can't wear your tie. Okay, fine. I just wore a shirt. I said, look, I've done this for 10 years. years. I'm wearing say, a shirt yeah. and tie. It's not against the school policy. Right. I'm not dressing down. I'm dressing up. Right. And I found it was really great because if I walked in the hallway – People thought I was some student teacher. <laughs> I was going to say they're your teacher. And I could go in and out to the men's room and the classes and go in late and nobody ever questioned me. And in, and in a joke, everybody thought it was a joke. On dress down day, everybody came in with shirt and tie. <laughs> and then the guys started to realize, wow. And then the girls thought the guys were, Look, looked nice. great because they right. dressed up. More and more guys began to dress up. But all it was is there were people out there who wanted to dress up. Mm -hmm. They just didn't have the nerve to say, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I will be different, and it's okay to be different. So you see it more as that now. You don't think it's a, it's necessarily technology-based. You don't think it's about hobbies and stuff like that. You no. see it as a level of self-awareness and, and the ability to be oneself. Yes, to be oneself and use the technology to accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. So, so then, so help, help me out then. How would we define nerd culture now, or, or, or is nerd the wrong word? I, I, think, no, I think nerd's the wrong word. I do. I, but we have to come up with another word. Because what nerd was 20 years ago, 10 years ago, is totally different now. Totally, totally different. So what... It was that nerds a lot of times are the people who didn't play sports. Right. And maybe they were the people that were uh, interested in science, or they might be interested in writing, or they might be interested in something else. I'm sure you'll find a lot of people that were teachers that were called nerds. Right. Because they were more interested in trying to learn how can I go teach people things. But again, there was no technology to push that out there. So today, a person may consider themselves a nerd, but they may be out there putting things on YouTube, or they may be putting other things out there saying, oh, I know something that you don't know, and let me tell you what it is. Right. And they believe by doing that, that takes the word nerd away from them because they're sharing it, and the person doesn't see them. They see they may see the person, right. but they don't know the person's character. They only know that tidbit that they've shared out there. Hopefully, 
It's something intelligent, not something that everybody else knows. And you figured, oh, I just want to get out on YouTube and put my thing out. Right. So maybe we need to come up with another word. Maybe this is the beginning of the process of coming up with another with, with word. A new, with a new word for it. Yeah. Do you think Do you think right now the culture, because we talked again about that, there's that two-faced side mm-hmm. to technology. Yeah. It can overload people. It can make people stressed. And then it can bring you know people together and it can enhance lives. Do you think we have the balance right right now as a culture? Or do you think we're leaning one way or another in, in the wrong direction? I think we're leading in the wrong direction that we're starting to get too much individualism and we forgot about the group. Community right, part. The community right. part, exactly. Are you hopeful that we can adjust to get yes, into that right I am direction? hopeful that we can. And I think we can, and I see the curve going in that direction. Do you think technology, that things like smartwatches are helping us or hindering us? Hindering us. So we need to disconnect a little bit from yes, it. Yes, a little bit from it. Okay. I think it's... The tools are there, right? but we have to utilize the tool correctly and not overuse it. So for people who are becoming, who are coming into this culture, if you were to, to, to talk to them like you're, you were talking to me when I was a little kid, but as mm-hmm. we are right now, what is the message you want to give to someone who's looking at using technology or looking at the world? What, what do you think that they need to know coming into I think into they need to use the technology as a tool. You use, need to use the tool properly. And you shouldn't let the tool run you. You got to run the tool. You have to use the tool. Don't let the tool run you. The engineering side of you. Yes, exactly. Be the master of your own tool. Yeah, you're not going to learn anything new if you never get a chance to speak with somebody else or or take the time to experience what what somebody else is like or what they do or how they do it. And if you experience that, you may now learn something new, but you also may be able to help that person I want to I want to get on on one final piece because uh, I I've kept it kept you long enough. You if you can say something to the Mike Mellon of the world's right now, the kid who does wear the suit and tie to mm-hmm. school, yeah. who doesn't know who doesn't know if that's the right thing to do or how to fit in, or someone who's on the edge of I don't I don't know where I belong. Yeah. What What can you give? To, you know, what advice would you give to that person? Well, right I would now? say question yourself and why are you doing it? Are you comfortable at what you're doing? Are you doing it because it's what you want to do? Are you doing it because you want to be that individual that says, I really don't care what you think about me because this is who I want to be and what I want to do. I'm not hurting anybody by it. You can call me all the names you want to call me. It's okay. Do that. But don't so far pull yourself into a shell that you totally cut yourself off from your peers and other people. Because then you'll remove yourself from the society, and that's where the dangers come into. Still try to figure a happy medium that's in there. And you'll be surprised because maybe the next day you come in and you don't wear the shirt and the tie and the same, and you wear what everybody else wears. And then they're going to look at you and say, whoa, like what happened? Well, speak up and say, well, you didn't accept me for who I was, what I was doing, and I felt bad. And they said, oh, we're just joking around with you. People say, oh, just joke. We think that's really cool. And then the next thing you know, they may do like I did. All of a sudden, the next day, people are going to come in with a shirt and a tie on. And what you've done then is shown people that you can be an individual. You don't have to be part of the pack. And I think that's where the whole point is. I sit for many hours sometimes, sometimes with an end day and realize I am maybe 5% 
of the people are strong enough to do the things they have, to have their ethics and morals and allow that to happen. I know that maybe they may not be accepted by everybody and people may not agree with them, but you can lay your head on your pillow at night and say, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm being my own person. And people at some point in time will accept that. But don't draw yourself away from society. If you're doing it to draw attention to yourself, that's one thing. If you're just doing it because you say, this is what makes me feel comfortable, then fine. It makes you an individual. And, And it's amazing how many people will look at you differently. But no matter what the label says, literally and figuratively, right. about yourself, the way you dress or the way that you carry yourself, no matter what the label from Correct. society to physically, Correct. make sure that you are true to, to yourself. yourself. Yes, true and to that, yourself and that you're doing the things that you want to do the way you want to do them. And, and just sit inside and say, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with myself. I'm happy where I'm going. Because you're, you're maybe going down a road that nobody else has ever gone down. And, and you may be one of those people who has an idea that has never been thought about. As you learn more and more as you get older, you become more mature in that perspective. So do what you need to do at the time of your life that you're doing it. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting You're down welcome. with me for the last hour. As mom's hour. back here uh, at the <laughs> door. Yes. Hi, mom. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, I hope we can do this again. We talk some, yeah, some me more. Me too. Thank, thank you. you.